Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Welcome back after a long hiatus, this is Brian and... This is Inessa. This is the X-Men Files. We're going to dive right into it. Okay. We're throwing caution to the winds. Okay. And we are immersing ourselves immediately wow. into discussion about comics. No okay. preamble, no bullshit. That I was Away gonna, we go. Going to get to talk about how I was napping. <laughs> well, let's take a minute to talk about your napping. <laughs> Can you tell us more about this nap? I was napping okay. prior to this moment. Were you? And it's possible that I'm still napping. That is not so. You are here in the here and now. You were you were looking at Jason Powell. I can see that you've left like a, a, a pen or something yep. in there because you were diligently up to the minute updating your thoughts about what is one of the most iconic storylines in all of comics, the Bronze Age masterpiece, the Dark Phoenix saga, which we're discussing Right here, right, right now. now. Despite the fact that I might still actually be asleep. Okay. Okay. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk in your sleep about the Dark Phoenix saga. <sighs> so uh, even now, I've, I've hyped it up. <laughs> um, anybody who's listening to this podcast, narrator, no one no was one listening, listening to the podcast. But if you're listening, you should go read this before you. Well, no, no. no. Any anybody further, who's listening, anybody who seeks out, it. anybody who seeks this out. <laughs> Who says, I want to hear two obscure people in suburban North Carolina talk about comic books from the early 1980s. They are familiar with the Dark Phoenix saga. If you're not, then... You should go read it right now. Yes, you should. Yeah. Um, it is not an exaggeration when I say that it is one of the most iconic uh, stories in all of comics. Let me give you a couple of milestones. Um which I ought to have like wikied in terms of the dates for this first one. <laughs> let's say that it was, let's say that it was 1930 <laughs> when a couple I think, of, I think we can see that we could both be better prepared for this. Look, nobody, that's not why we don't get listeners. It's not like people listen to, <laughs> Oh my God, the scholarship that goes into this is trash. I yeah, usually I do a little bit better than this. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. What I was going to say is um, action comics. Number one, written by a couple of uh, plucky Jewish kids from Cleveland, Ohio, introduced the world to Superman and that it was a pretty big deal. That was a groundbreaking innovation in terms of uh, genre storytelling up there with characters like Sherlock Holmes, uh, authors like Jules Verne, in terms of the kinds of stories that we can tell. It, yes, okay, fine. Beowulf and Ulysses, fuck you. Superman's a wow. different thing. <laughs> then, in 1962, okay. Stanley and Jack Kirby... Another couple of plucky Jews <laughs> created. We've got um, a pretty, pretty, pretty large supply. You don't actually. We don't. Uh, we have a very small it's supply. There's not that many Jews. We have a very it's small supply. Globally, of plucky Jews. Globally, very, I mean, very like s- like the Hindus. I mean, if 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 y'all wanted to throw down against the Hindus, they would. I mean, you, you would just be like 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 a grease stain on on the highway. Okay. Hindus don't do that. Uh, I, I don't want to take the time to debunk that, okay. but, but no, carry hin- on. <laughs> hin- Hindus can and they would. Yeah. No, well, no, not no. they would. Sorry. They can. They can. <laughs> they can and they have, I think is what, not, not anti-Semitic. Point being. Carry on. Uh, Stanley, uh, uh Stanley and Jack Kirby, uh, came out with Fantastic Four number one. Uh, and this was a significant milestone in the continuing evolution of the uh, uh, the comic book genre. Then we get to the Dark Phoenix saga, which I would say is like number three, hmm. number three event in terms of the impact that it had on uh, on this this kind of storytelling. Okay. Now that is putting it in really really a hallowed place. Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Not Jews. <laughs> Finally, you know. Finally, we, we, we get some Gentile Finally, influence. Yeah. Rally your, uh, your best people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they are two of our best people. Um, so, so this was a sort of a big deal, and 
I'll talk a little bit about why. But now that I've hyped it to the place where there's no way it could live up to its reputation, um, you've read this for the I, first time ever. I have read it for the first time ever. I read it um, over the course of about a week. Let's weeks. say yes. Yeah, yeah. You took um, it to Chicago, and yeah. then we got back, and you probably uh, I finished it yesterday camping. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really different from how someone would have read it if they were, you know, how you would have read it as a, right. as a kid. Um, and I'd heard all about it. Yeah. Before, so it was not, uh, you know, it was a, a kind of a different reading experience for me. Cool. Um, what was the question? What did I think of it? <laughs> Let's say that was the question. Was the question, are you still napping, Anessa? Are you awake? Should uh, you have taken time to make yourself that coffee before you came up here? Let's say that the question is... So, uh, obviously... <laughs> what I mean, did it you was, think? It, I, yeah, I thought yeah. it was really, really um, interesting to... Right. You know, it, it was a very different experience, I think, than... Leading what, off with interesting, uh-oh. No, no, I mean, I thought it was... Uh-oh. I didn't want to say cool, because that sounds dumb. This is what I always say. Like, oh, it was really cool. That's that's a fun. It was place really to begin. obviously yeah, really cool. Yeah. Um, it was a great story. I really enjoyed having it as like almost a comics novel. Sure. Um, rather yeah. than having to remember from from week One to week or to even month to month half. what yeah. had happened. Okay. Um, it was a super cool story. I guess I'd be you know it it it's hard for me to look at it from outside of knowing that it's iconic and uh, you know exactly. whatever. So yeah. it's like I read this iconic thing and I was like, yeah, yeah that shit seems pretty. Pretty iconic. Pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, really, really yeah, significant. Yeah, but I'd be curious to know, sort of in the, I guess, in the grander scheme of comics, like apart from that, they kill off and seem to really, truly kill off mm-hmm. uh, a main character. Yeah. Um, and also that the character sort of makes that decision on their own to, to you know, right. that they don't want to live in a particular way. Um, you know, but I, I want to know more about sort of like to you what makes it the third most important <laughs> comic thing that ever happened after the founding of those other two comic universes. Yeah. Um, when I say third most significant event, um, I, I'm looking at it from the perspective of what did it mean to the comics that came afterwards. Okay. Uh, so if I'm talking about the comics that speak to me, it's still really up there. Um, so I'll, I'll do this kind of two ways. Um, you know, one, I'll just kind of close the loop on this third most significant comics event ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and other folks will, 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 you might have a view about, about what it is. So, what what the third most significant, or even the first two, frankly, those first two events are ones that would allow someone to say, "This is the kickoff of a particular era in comics." Okay. So for Superman, it's the Golden Age. Right. Uh, I mean, comics. I, I want to say existed in some fashion. Certainly, uh, Sunday. Sunday newspaper, newspaper yeah. and things. And I don't know when Will Eisner started doing the Spirit. Uh, that is one that doesn't have that single point in time mm-hmm. kind of thing. By the way, Will Eisner, uh, with respect to Jerry Siegel and Joe, Joe Schuster, Will Eisner's content way better than anything that ever mm-hmm. happened in action comics. Will Eisner, also a Jew. <laughs> yep. But anyway, um, so 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 that's what action comics number one does it, you can point to a specific moment in time uh similar to fantastic four number one like this is we can we can we can use that as a before and after thing right um i'm going to shoehorn this in here because it's a thought that's in my head and we're not editing this similar to the way that you can go geographically to congo park in new orleans like where did jazz come from it's a big fucking question. Right. But if you go to Congo Park in New Orleans, you can say, well, it started here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, this is where jazz began. And you don't get those those crisp boundaries yeah. on most cultural moments. Um, so, we've got the golden age of comics, which is like 30s, 40s, 
Silver Age of Comics, which is the 60s and, and largely Stan Lee and, and, and Marvel and, and others that followed, like Neil Adams and others that followed. Bronze Age is something that, depending on who you ask, might or might not even exist. Okay. This podcast, we believe that the Bronze Age we exists. We do. And if you don't believe that the Bronze Age exists, yeah. then we'll fight you. We will not fight you. We will, we will fight you. We, one of us will fight you. And <laughs> I guess that's me. You're well rested. So you can, you're ready to take people on. It's still very groggy. Yeah. But uh, the Bronze Age would be one, you know, call it the late 70s and 80s, late 70s and, and kind of early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say that this one is sort of number three, because it is one where anything that gets written after that will be aware of it. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and so what is there to be aware of? I think two things and then like a third thing. Okay. First thing. First thing is killing of a major character. This is open and obvious. And this is a character. She was charter member of the X-Men. She was in X-Men number one. And don't ask me why I'm taking notes about our conversation right now. I'm happy that (laughs) what I'm saying is meaningful to at least someone. Okay, it's going to be there. It's not meaningful to our listeners, of which there are none. Of which there there are none, none. yeah. But... um, Okay, so so Jean Grey is a, a character. She was a original, semi-original member of the X-Men. X-Men number one is Jean Grey arriving at, at Professor the, okay. X's school. And, like, she suits up and she's Marvel Girl. Mm-hmm. So killing a major character in a way that's not a head fake, right. that, like, it's, it's for real. Right, right. It's for real. Did it seem like, did people, people must have thought that it was a head fake at the time. No. Really? No. No, they absolutely believed that it was huh. that it was so, and it was like it was it was legit. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is I, I'm going to say this very very well done serialized storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story of Dark Phoenix, you know, the death of Dark Phoenix, began shortly after Clamont started writing the book. Right. What issue did he start? Uh, 94 is okay. when he began. And uh, I, I'd have to go back and look at the issue number. It's like 96 or 98. No, no. So it's, I think it's 101 where she becomes Phoenix. Okay. So this is like three years worth of yeah. building. Mm-hmm. So that's number two is this idea that, okay, there is an episodic character to the story structure. But that this is an arc where we've been prepping you for this mm-hmm. for, I mean, like over a year. Um, I mean, if you look, whenever Jason Weingard, you know, Mastermind first shows up, that's when we can kind of see where this is going. Right. Or, or that, 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 that there is um, uh, like a, a, a kind of an inevitable spiral. Right. Movement. Yeah. Third thing is one where I feel like we just have to emphasize issue number 137, but even beyond that, you know, 137 is one of the best written issues, single issues of comics ever. Mm-hmm. I'd be hard pressed to find a better one. Okay. Uh, Claremont and Byrne are two incredible creators at the top of their game and they stay there mm-hmm. for like years mm-hmm. they're generating really awesome stuff yeah. and then at 137 they're like you know what we've been kicking ass <laughs> for two years now let's do even better right okay. and they crank out one of the just flat out best single issues um i re i've read that thing i don't know how many times it is so goddamn tight mm-hmm. you don't want to see that often right uh, so, so that is, I think the third reason why it's just, it's really, really good work. Yeah. I mean, it was very, like I said, it, it was very, um, compelling to read and it felt fun to read it like a, like a novel. Right. Yeah. So what were some of the, um, I, I should, I, I'll come back to, yeah, go for it. Uh, we're, we're, 
we're drinking a beer. We're, we're, we're having a beer here because uh, you just had a nap and, you know, may as well. <laughs> I definitely need to get more. <laughs> definitely need to get a little sleepy. Incoherent. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I'll come back to what were some of the things that stood out to you, but maybe a better entry point is what were some of the things that surprised you or like, you know, maybe uh, you weren't expecting to see along the way? Mm. Hmm. So not... Were you we surprised to see that uh, Scott and Gene fucked? No, I was surprised Maybe to not. see. Yeah, I was surprised okay. to see um, Angel give her like like a weird mouth kiss when they yeah when they met. That was confusing to me. Yeah, um, there was a there was a bit odd. So yeah. I guess one of the things thinking about that, one of the things that I was surprised by a little bit was like how often they returned to this. Um, to sort of likening her her feelings as as Phoenix and then as Dark Phoenix to like a lustful or oh, yeah. or like you know super super like it felt really sexual yes uh, reading all of that that maybe took me by surprise like okay. some sort of uh, you know like she was she was really looking for some like big world destroying orgasm <laughs> that right. that's what she was like really oh hell yeah after yeah. you know she'd had some smaller ones mm-hmm. she was she was curious yeah. <laughs> if she could so that like it, it you know and i don't know how someone reading that as a child would uh, would have processed all of that but to me probably as, not yeah to me as yeah. a, you know reading it as an adult it was like this is pretty this is about fucking right like, <laughs> yeah, exactly just, yeah 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 like, she's really she's like really she, on this not even fucking but like being, wants to hump something yeah being like yeah. really on this on this sort of search for for female sexual uh release and empowerment yeah um and um now did you get to that bit in Jason Powell? Because he talks about that quite a lot. I did not. So I do okay. have to confess. Yeah. I mean, Brian knows this, but to our non-existent listeners, I'm a little, it's been a weird few weeks, a little hectic. And I'm, you know, I have not done the you need to get back on the swing of that, 100% of the diligence that I normally do for these things. But That's it felt okay. since we had missed a couple of weeks, I really wanted to record today at whatever stage of, uh, you know, readiness so maybe i'll have further thoughts next week i'm delighted to hear your fresh take on this um people who want to know what jason powell thinks should go out and buy his book Mm, even if you don't want to know go out and buy his book because it's awesome Uh, reading that stuff kind of helps me process stuff but you know getting this raw you know like like pure uncut Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh uncut inessa um when you get to jason powell he will echo everything that you've said yeah good yeah Yay. Oh, boy. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> you li- she, she, she literally patted herself on the back. I did literally pat myself on the back. Let's see yeah. what else I wrote. That was the main, I guess that was the, yeah. the main thing that was, like, surprising. It was maybe not surprising, but, like, uh, fun to see, you right. know, the, the introduction of the Hellfire Club. Um, oh, hell yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, also an organization that has, like, this sort of weird, like, feels like a swingers club super sexed super up. sexed up undertone yeah, yeah, yeah. um fun to meet kitty you know yeah i enjoyed that fun to see aurora and some of her like old cool clothes you, oh yeah 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 because yeah. when we started this she's wearing these fabulous outfits yeah. um and you know she remains stylish afterwards it's not necessarily my taste the uh you know the, the sort of safety pin and black yeah, leather yeah. look you know it's not my thing but you know yeah, if you're into that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> plenty to look at. Um, yeah. But I guess this wasn't our first time meeting the Shiar, or was it? No, no, it no, it was not. Yeah, no. no. Oh, um, it, it, they we... reference things that happened in the past, but yeah. I wasn't sure if they had actually happened or they were just being referenced within the scene. Yeah, but we, we have, hadn't actually seen. We them. have met the Shiar. What issue? So, so folks should know you're reading uh, the trade paperback, which is like one twenty nine. Uh, Okay, 129. Great. It starts with 120. And uh, for those following at home, this is part of the Milestones uh, series of trade paperbacks. The ones with like the uh, sort of the dingy yellow cover. It begins with 129. What's the the cover of 129? 
29 is called God Spare the Child, and it sort of starts oh, yeah, yeah, with them God, like, yeah, oh, awesome. something, something big has just happened, and they're yeah. all kind of going their separate ways. Hey, was it weird? Was it weird? Uh, did, yes. <laughs> was, it any, was it in any way uh, cool no, when we were in Chicago? And by the way, when we say we, Chicago, we use that as a shorthand for us uh, for some suburbs. But they were in Deerfield, they Illinois. They were in Deerfield, <laughs> Illinois, yeah. Kitties from Deerfield, which is weird. We were not that far away from Deerfield, we had, Illinois. We had lunch yeah. at... Oh no! Yeah, I have to wow. tell you, like a not that clean pot belly in Deerfield, Illinois. Uh-oh. If you work at that Deerfield. pot belly and you're listening to this, get your shit together. Get your act together, yeah. Deerfield. Come on, you're the home of Kitty Pride. Yeah. Her uh, uh, grandchildren are probably at that pot belly. Now. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, Kitty Pride, by the way, is perpetually like uh, you know 19 or something like that. I think in the comics she looks about like 22. Yeah, I think she can legally drink. Um, yeah, she's uh, I think 13 or 14 on this one. Continuing our streak of not knowing what age Kitty is, although they actually say, I think. I think she was 13 or... Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. Getting introduced to her was great. Yeah. Enjoyed meeting her. Um, Enjoyed seeing Roro. Let's see what else I've written down. Enjoyed sort of seeing Charles like, uh, you know, like dickish early. Xavier, I felt like he was a little more dickish when we started he's less dickish in this in this period yes he was less dickish now wait wait when was he dickish according to you <clears throat> was he dickish in this in this the dark phoenix side i thought he was a little dickish so you're saying he's less dickish and and the bit like like issues 170 or wherever we are now maybe let's take a step back am i saying that i don't know i don't know i thought i was saying i'm it. not sure what you're saying <laughs> is what i'm saying have I told you all that I was taking a nap? Okay. It was one of the longest naps I've ever taken during the day. While not being sick. While not being or medicated sick. Or, or medicated. How long was that nap? It was 90 minutes. What? Yeah. 90 minutes? I had like a I whole... I mean, the earth revolves like probably, you know, like 24 degrees in that, in that time period. Brian and I had like a whole dream fight in my nap. I don't dream. know how that's relevant. You dreamt that we had a fight. Yes. Okay. How is that relevant to it? Oh, you know what? None of this is no, relevant. No. This absolutely ties in because that's exactly what happened to Jean Grey. Jason Weingard, mastermind, was planting these weird things in her head, sowing the seeds of doubt about her love for Scott Summers. Maybe the same thing happened to you. Do you think that maybe I'm also Jean Grey? Because if you told me that right now, I'd believe it. You are not, but maybe Mastermind is trying to corrupt you and get you to use your powers for some weird sexual thing. Oh, that'd be fun. Fun? Would it? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. So let's talk a little bit about Mastermind. Um, When I reread those, it was very unsettling to me because, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I should add, we know, listeners of this podcast know, that I began reading the X-Men with issue number 138. Okay. Right. So like I that was read... a question that I yeah, okay. Yeah. Listeners of this podcast which apparently doesn't include you. <laughs> um I started with 138. So like I already knew that this was happening. Uh that had happened. Had happened. So it was in the rearview mirror. I eventually uh caught up with that stuff via, you know, whatever. Like I read back issues somehow or Oh, I know how I read 137. Um, uh, Jason Noble, mm-hmm. the uh, the musician, mm-hmm. Louisville musician, uh, and at that time, comics fan, he spent the night at our house once. Mm-hmm. Jason Noble did. Uh, Jason Noble, who uh, unfortunately died of cancer some That's years right. back, mm-hmm. but he was a, you know, a kind of a minor... Uh, you know, he was a musician. He got an obit in the AV club. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he spent the night at my house, and yep. he had uh, he had like a, a giant stack of comic books, and I read some of those. And that's how I read one thirty seven for okay. the first time. How did you read one thirty eight for the first time? I just like I was in Lexington with grandparents and um, a spinner rack. Got it off the spinner rack. And I mean, was it. that like? But was that just complete chance that that yeah. was the first one that you picked up, or like Absolutely. had someone said, "Hey, there's pure this. chance, pure really? Chance. That's fascinating." Because I'm like eight. Nobody's 
talking to me about comic books. <laughs> oh. I'm eight. Like like I'm at a, I'm at a thing and like I I just I I picked it up and and whatever. What like a weird. Uh, I mean, it was not a weird that one because it doesn't yeah. look all that actiony. I mean, it's a yeah. weird title because like the cover does not suggest hey eight year old there's real cool shit happening. Um, maybe what I should you know what you know why I picked that one up. Prior to that, I had read some of the Stanley Jack Kirby, like reprinted, mm-hmm. and so like I was aware of the X Men, like that was the current issue of the X Men that was on the spinner rack. Fascinating. Yeah. What a what a what a time to start like. That's interesting to me oh, that that was yeah, that was the yeah, point just, at which you started, which was like the sort of dumb uh, luck. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. yeah uh, uh, dumb luck that I started with that. Um, where did we enter into this? Um, how did I read this stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, goddamn, I, I forgot the entry point to this weird diversion. Uh, is this a diversion? I thought this was just our uh, our regular stupid conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Anessa is recovering from a nap. <laughs> She's on her way to being back to normal. Uh, I can't remember how we got into this. I thought, I thought it was. I thought we were talking about something else. In the we're night. talking about Charles. Whether Charles was a dick in this one? No, we've established that he's a dick. He's. he's you know. I did read far enough along in Jason Powell to see that. Uh, um, I guess at some point Jim Shooter decided that what he really wanted was for them to uh, to like be back at school. He really liked the school. Oh yeah, the that school was hilarious. Aspect yeah. and so. You know, at one yeah, point, Charles was like, ah, rah, give him 10 Damaris. And somebody's yeah, like, Wolverine I don't said, think yeah. <laughs> that Wolverine is going to care. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that was, that was that goddamn was like hilarious. Yeah, yeah, give Wolverine you, 10 yeah. Demerits. Yeah, um, <laughs> that didn't work. Um, it's Jim Shooter who said that Jean Grey had to die. Why did she have to die? Like, because why she, did he think she Because she to... murdered, like, 4 billion sentient beings. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> no, no, I mean, right. I know that she had done that, but, like, yeah. that... That the decision to kill her then came after that. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, hopefully I'm getting the sequence of events right. But uh, they wrote that where... I know how we get into it. So we were talking about like, Jason Weingart and the other thing. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back to that. Yeah. So she's Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. And she is you know, chasing that, 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 that high. That big orgasm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love how like it, like it's it it's sex but not drugs. For me, it's sex but not drugs. Yeah, I I, I agree yeah. with you, but but it is. I mean, it, it could easily. I can easily see it. it, it that didn't even rather, occur to me could, until it now. It could yeah. scan. It could scan as drugs, but for some other stuff, and we're getting into that in yeah. a minute. So she's chasing this super, you know, the big O, <laughs> and she consumes the energy from the star, and the, there's this planet filled yeah, she with. She kills all these people. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah uh, the asparagus people, yeah. we call them. Uh, and so Jim Shooter said, like, um, there's got to be a consequence for right, that. Right, right, fair. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And they, they were, they, so Claremont and Byrne said, well, there's going to be a confrontation on the moon, and she's going to get sorted out. Uh, or I think maybe one of the ideas was uh, she's going to go to a Shi'ar prison, and like mm-hmm. that's going to be the consequence. But then they said, you know, narratively that's not going to work because if she's in a Shi'ar prison, two months later the yeah. X Men are going to bust her out. Right, right, right. Uh, so interesting in that the only consequence they could really come up with that would be narratively satisfying yeah, and was plausible to, was to kill her plausible within the constraints of comic sure. well all right she's got to die yeah we're gonna have to kill her yeah interesting okay so i wasn't sure if that like they had started this the the whole you know introducing that character yeah. or at some point along the way deciding okay now we're gonna work up to this right. big payoff where yeah. we kill her but i guess not no, yeah. no. I mean, Claremont's stories, they work out. Yeah. But it's not as though in like 1979, it's like, here's how the next 10 years of the X-Men. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I didn't think but, 10 but years, even, but I even, thought maybe, you know, the next six months. Uh, six months, probably, yeah. yeah. And and Powell has a, um, a nice footnote where he and you know, Claremont and Byrne, have like okay, here's like the next six months and like issue number one forty, blah blah blah, which contemplated a live Jean Grey, right? <laughs> so, 
I'm going to say Claremont is like the anti J.J. Abrams. <laughs> okay. J.J. Abrams, who does try to make it up, he'll have like the first half of the thing and then like if it's lost he'll see like, like oh holy shit we yeah, gotta bring I'm sure this something will come to me yeah. yeah exactly yeah and he can't quite stick the landing they did not so, stick the landing on lost by the way um as much as i like to pick on jj abrams uh and he does have a lot to answer for for fucking up star wars <laughs> i like the guy super eight is an amazing movie yep. uh i love it and mission impossible 3 set a proper course for that franchise. Yeah. Uh, what he did with Star Trek, I thought was good. Yeah. I mean, J.J. Uh, like, I, 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 Abrams has, like, he has more good ideas while he's taking a shit than I've had in my life. Yeah, Lost, I mean, I'm, Lost sitting, I, I'm sitting here yeah. now having the thought that Lost brought me back to being interested in watching things on TV after a very long period of really yeah, that's... not... Even That's finding that it was worth yeah. to watch things on... I mean, I wouldn't have watched it on my own. Someone suggested it to me. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. we had a great time we did watching Lost. We watching so, Watch it know, again with the with the little people. We, we absolutely should. Um, so, you know, my gripe... And, and, and we'll end this J.J. Abrams. <laughs> if you're minute. listening, J.J. Abrams... Keep, keep it up, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, like you, you know. You're, you're not perfect, but you've got a pretty good batting average. But... He totally fucked Star Wars. He he fucked that right up. Uh, what he did to Star Wars is unforgivable. Lost is a good show with an imperfect uh, finale. Uh, his work on Mission Impossible and Star Trek uh, breathed new life into old franchises. Super 8 is amazing. Yeah, Super 8 is good. Uh, Cloverfield is good, too. Cloverfield is good. Cloverfield Paradox, less so. I but, didn't know that he had done Cloverfield. Uh, I, I I don't recall what the credits are. I, I got to look it up. But he was in, he was in the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Cloverfield is definitely a bad robot thing. Um, okay, right. We love you, J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Stay away from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, Claremont <laughs> was plotting this thing, and so Shooter throws him a curveball. Saying, well, okay, Gene okay. Gray's yeah, got to die. Gonna have to, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And if you, Shooter throws him a curveball, Claremont smashes it out of the park. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> like, I was just, I was also just thinking that, like, I, I enjoy the, um, the sort of, you know, I want to watch the movie about this phase of Marvel comics thing, because like i enjoy yeah. hearing the stuff about like jim shooter oh, the and his relations yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. i want to watch okay. the, not not the document i want to watch like the fictionalized oh hell uh, yeah movie yeah, about yeah. this phase of of marvel yeah. comics um well you will love the scene where gene gray comes back yeah because this is before dead characters didn't stay dead right um, like Mary Jane Parker died. Mary Jane Parker, God damn it! Whoever the Spider Man, I'm, I'm. Let's move on. Yeah, I'm there had sure, been yeah. deaths <laughs> prior to this. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked that up. Um, I, I, I'm not a Spider Man reader, and I always I trip over uh, who's in Spider Man. I like the Spider Man cameo in this one. When did Spider Man cameo? Yeah, like when he was, he like felt a disturbance in the Force, and also Doctor Strange. When she became Dark Phoenix. Oh, right. Yeah. right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so they had been deaths before, but like this one was was pretty seismic and, and it was pretty final. Um, so when Jean Grey came back, Claremont lost his shit. Right. And what like, year was, like, what what issue was that ish? Do you remember? Did not happen in the X-Men. Happened in the pages of the Fantastic Four, written and drawn by John Byrne. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at least that right. it was, um, uh, you know, one of the original creators making a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and I remember that episode, that uh, rather that issue, that issue of the uh, the Fantastic Four. Like, I, I want to say I read that one in real time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. But uh, Claremont lost his shit. Uh, he found out about it like friday at five like he found out about it like the same time that like if you're going to be doing a massive round of layoffs <laughs> the big bath yeah right exactly. <laughs> it was the same kind of deal the friday night news dump <laughs> right 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 uh don't bother coming back on monday 48 hours to kind of blow off yeah. steam 
and then HR reps will be in on Monday. Your desk on Monday morning. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was basically like that. Yes. Yeah, so you would love that scene in that. Yeah. In that I want to, I want to see that. Like I feel as, as attached to those people as characters, the creators, the creators. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. You know, as I do to the characters yeah. who I also feel attached to after all this time talking. And about we got to watch that, that Amazon, uh, Amazon didn't do it, but whatever yeah. it's on, it's on the prime. Uh, and it's a short documentary. We should watch it. Um, my, my affection for, for Claremont is pretty high, mm-hmm. but it, it goes up a couple of notches when you watch him sitting on a couch with, uh, uh with Wheezy, Louise Jones and Anna Senti, just like chatting about the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's oh, goddamn. I mean, like I, I watch, I, I see the three of them just like, like hanging out, talking about the comic books that they've written. And I, like, I, when I die and go to heaven, that's going to be me. <laughs> Like, that's going to be like, like, yeah, remember all those really cool comic book stories that we wrote? That yeah, was fun. <laughs> yeah. So much professional joy they had. Yeah. Um, I wanted to come back because I did remember this. The Weingard, uh, like, like head games that he plays mm-hmm. with Jean Grey, much like that weird fucked up dream that you had while you were napping. <laughs> when I was reading that as a kid, it was really, uh, I'm trying to think what, what the right word is. I mean, it hit me exactly the way the creators wanted to. Right. When she makes out with like Jason Weingard and she's coupled up with him, I'm I'm reading this. I'm like, what? No, no, no yeah, this, <laughs> this is isn't right. Stop doing that. Yeah. You know, and it would be just as weird as you know whatever fucked up dream you had. Uh, I had so a was, dream about Brian's ex girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that I think is one of the reasons why all of Jean Grey's um, power hungry thing. That's like why it's Kansas sexual. sexual, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. they also use the word lust, which you know, like does not yeah. does not usually so probably um, had to look up. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I oh. wouldn't have. But uh, um, yeah. but yeah, that's not a word that usually is used when talking about drugs. But it could be drugs. I mean, yeah. yeah, definitely could be. Uh, you know, the first time that I remember hearing the word lust. No. Okay. So, have you seen the movie Excalibur, the John Borman movie? I've not. Fucking great. We need to watch that, like, tonight. Is that the one about Helen Mirren's breasts? Oh, that doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen Mirren was on uh, Jimmy Fallon a couple weeks ago, and she did the interview, like, remotely in a bubble bath. <laughs> That's and awesome. so at one point I haven't seen it. I gotta watch the I gotta watch the clip of it. But at one point she says, I'm running out of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I love her. <laughs> yeah. She's she's a global treasure, yeah. <laughs> right? She belongs to more than just uh, more than just Britain. Um no, Excalibur, John Borman, uh King Arthur, and it, it like I wanna say it's rated R. Yeah. Because there's some fucking in it. Um But I, I remember watching this. Like they had a they had a kind of a bodlerized version that was like PG that I think ran on cable. Right. Um, I love that movie. Love that. How have I never seen that? You talk about it all the time. I'm... Right. So we're watching this, and uh, there's the love triangle between you know Lancelot, Arthur, and Guinevere. Okay. All right. So Lancelot shags Guinevere, or she shags him. Whatever it was, <laughs> and. Uh, so then Arthur finds out and like casts him out of the kingdom. And I'm watching this in my family room as a kid and like, you know, call it 81, 82 mm-hmm. with grownups present. Right. Because it was the early 80s. It's the 80s, and, like, right. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> anything, anything goes. Probably somebody was smoking. Yeah. <laughs> in the room. Um, and somebody made a remark like, like oh gosh, what's, what's going to happen now? And somebody, possibly my mother, I don't know. Adult female, ah, her lust will keep her going. And it, it was just like, like, ah, you know, like, ah, eh, she's lusty. And I remember, like, I hadn't heard that word. Yeah. But it, like, it, it struck a chord. Yeah. It was like, lust. All right. So, like, this is clearly something that gives someone energy, yeah. <laughs> power, power yeah. direction, and it, remained remains yeah a word that is is kind of heavy yeah. in terms of <laughs> what humans go through and dark phoenix saga oozing yeah, with lust. 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 
it was a long walk and it didn't lead to anywhere where you can yeah. chime in but uh lust yeah which by the way is an anagram of slut and what's that all about yeah huh? that's weird it is weird <laughs> oh english and oh patriarchy mm. uh that is in in at that time i'm gonna stop monologuing here you're fine because i'm still napping okay you're still napping um and powell talks about this that after gene and scott cross the rubicon Mm -hmm. uh the first time that they've you you can presume that this is the first time that they've ever had sex okay i didn't presume that but okay yeah you you can't and i mean if you well comics are Despite the costumes and the way that the human physique is presented, mm-hmm. carry on. <laughs> costumes are <laughs> the characters are largely asexual. Mm-hmm. Right. E- even if you look at something like the MCU, even when there is a kind of a nod to people pairing up, right? It's tangential at best. Uh, it's fleeting. And PG thirteen, not even that. Yeah, uh, like Captain America and uh, and and Peggy Carter. Good heavens! Yes, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty. They chaste, get yeah. like a greatest generation uh, scene where they're dancing. Yeah, oh, I love that scene. It's romantic as hell. It's sweet as hell, but it ain't lusty. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not lusty. It ain't lusty. Uh, so. That is another way that uh, we're kind of entering the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the characters have romantic lives, but sexual lives. Mm-hmm. And we get into all of what that means. They're not married. Right. And, and by the way, this is what... You're talking the- about the scene where they're like up on the butte and she yes. takes off his glasses. Exactly. And, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that that's that's when that yeah happens. i mean i guess it should have occurred to me that that was a first time thing and maybe it did when i was reading it. well if you're reading it as a grown-up you think that this is and, and you know that you're dropping into a larger narrative you think well you know okay, right. this, this is, is something just they've di- done before but now without glasses right right, <laughs> right. but if you read the comics this like this is probably the first time okay um i don't think that there's any other but but also within comics you don't often make the space narratively to indicate that that's what's going on. Right. Now, we've seen that once with, um, well, actually, Cremony. I mean, um, <laughs> after that, uh, and Gene dies, like, like Scott can't keep it in his yeah, pants. Scott, Scott. <laughs> yeah, Scott, Scott. Man, oh, man. Natalie's yeah, just, yeah. yeah, all over the place. Right, right. But, but there are a lot of those. So, so we've seen that. But, you know, prior to that, there wouldn't have been much of that. Yeah. Um, and... Very soon after that, we get the Hellfire Club, mm-hmm. and we get Jason Weingard having Gene Gray dressed up, and I'm channeling channeling a little bit of Jason Powell here. Yeah, but Gene Gray dressed up uh, with the garter, right, right, and the the not the bustier, the but yeah, bustier, yeah, but, uh, it is a bustier, the yeah, corset, yeah, corset, weird, like, uh, New York, New York Dungeon Club, yeah, yeah, sexed up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was wacky. And as a kid reading it, like, like that, that was, um, what, what's going on yeah. here, man? <laughs> what are these people up to? Yeah. It's interesting. I was looking at, the, I was reading this yesterday while we were camping and our daughter sat down next to me and she was, I don't know, I was looking at one of the, she might've even been commenting on the cover on which. Yes. As our yeah. son did once. And um, there's, there's, there's stuff to comment on there. Yeah. But it was, it Made Breast me realize the size of softballs. Yeah, and like the shape of softballs. Yeah, but it. I said, you know, if you look at like, yes, the the ladies all look very curvaceous and right. feminine, or whatever. I said, but you know, it's like look at the men. Right. You know, so like you're a little boy, you're reading this. You know, look at all the male. You know, what do you think that you're? Scott is ripped. Yeah, like <laughs> as a little boy reading it, you know, I think yeah. there's a lot of um, comfortable. Yeah. real estate talking about the male gaze and female right. characters and yes certainly in the in the hellfire club there the ladies costumes are beyond the pale yeah. of you know tastefulness um they're pretty sexy you know oh yeah but like the superhero costumes you know yeah. i think it, it made me think of like my own like 
tolerance for that since we started because when yeah. we started i feel like every single issue i was like oh, oh my god, god the yeah. costumes yeah. you know but then when i was talking about it with our daughter it was like okay so how would this make a little boy feel about how yeah. he was supposed to look right and what his body was supposed yeah. to look like when he was and do most grown yeah most adult most women totally don't look yeah, like yeah. the the yeah. lady superheroes but most grown men don't look like the boy right. superheroes either so yeah. it's like um you know i've becoming I've, i have become comics, a little bit comics more... are, are, are like like a gay pride float pulls up to the playboy mansion <laughs> basically <laughs> um you know now i feel like i rarely comment on the on the costumes yeah. anymore because i'm kind of just used to it uh everybody's super buff everybody's super rift everybody yeah. is like the perfect uh perfect image of their gender when they're in their right. superhero costume and period and it's a thing that generationally feels not strange to me because this is uh okay with the costumes and the stylization that comes with comic drawing Mm -hmm. will, will make it look a little bit different but this is what hollywood was trying to generate uh i mean that changed a little bit in the 70s but you know prior to that like ugly people didn't didn't appear in films yeah uh like you say it changed a little bit like yeah. you know new hollywood in the 70s but prior to that like no man right I, like and men and women everybody's got to look good yeah everybody's got to be attractive yeah yeah and actually I mean, and at a lot of entertainment now um <laughs> we watched a little bit of uh, the flash uh and and, and, and supergirl is the same as supergirl's like, like at least the clothes they wear are, are, are not like over the top but um Green Arrow and the Flash. Um, yeah, all those. Everybody, shows. everybody's attractive. Yeah. Fucking smoker. Uh, yeah. Like the men and the women. <laughs> but it, 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 you watch this, and it's almost uncanny valley. It feels, yeah. I mean, but like, those are actual people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those yeah. are people. Yeah, no, it makes it yeah. that takes away from those shows for me. The fact that all the people are so attractive. Yeah, right. It makes it right. less interesting to watch. It feels like. It feels like the plots are also going to be sort of like pastiche and kind of like blah because right. all the people are so attractive and it takes place in this kind of pastiche blah right. place where everybody's attractive. It, it, it is interesting yeah. that you can get away with that in comics because I, I read through this shit and I'm like, yeah, sure, everybody's ripped and everybody's like you know, sm- yeah. you know, smoking hot. But once you cast actual humans in that, it does, it does lose, lose plausibility. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean is exactly what I'm saying. Like, like, like in terms of uncanny valley. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even mention to our, you know, to our daughter when we were talking about this that you know this was a comic that like women worked on. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, there like I would say that passes even the Bechtel test. You know, there are yeah. many spots where two women are talking, having a conversation about you know stuff and what i'm going to do to, to kind of close us out here is to say that this is a story about the most powerful being mm-hmm. in the x-men who happens to be female where okay lost in sex yeah exactly and and it it is a story about the corruptibility of power that has a female character but i'm going to say that there's nothing all that gendered about the arc of dark phoenix mm-hmm. absolutely gender comes into play with her sexual relationship with scott right but that the the superheroic aspect of it says the most powerful person on this team is a woman. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it. And this is not a question of we need to restrain powerful women. The story would have been the same. Right. If it had been a male that had killed yeah. all those people. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Other thoughts? Closing thoughts about... This is like the weirdest take on Dark Phoenix, uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, I think, ever. <laughs> I'll read more before the next one. Maybe I'll have more. Yeah, yeah. More thoughts. One of the things that I wrote down, actually, interestingly, was in issue 136, when um, we had been talking about Jewish people Okay. prior. Um, 
at one point she says, I am what I am. Does he talk about that in... Like he, she, someone says, I can't remember the I don't the thing, but are you but gonna, Phoenix, are you going to name check Popeye? No, I'm going to. I am what I am. I'm, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, like apparently that's what God said from the burning bush. I am what is. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. I am basically, am, that's yeah, like yeah. one of the translations of that, which I thought right. was because it's like burning and the is Phoenix. That Popeye and the thing. Got that? Yes, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. If you want to so, do I'm sorry, I'm doing a, a podcast I'm about so sorry. Popeye, then you'll have to do that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. With your ex-girlfriend. Being a dick. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. So I am what I am. Oh, but, but, and, and I, I, I rode roughshod over that type because that's actually what you're saying. What I'm saying is that that's the yeah. same. Like that's that she's like a god, like that they're writing right. her as if she is a god because that's what God said in the basically what God said in, uh, in, in Exodus. In, in, yeah. in Exodus and, uh, okay. you know, she's on fire just like the fucking bush was. Burning bush. Um, and, um, period. Okay. And, you know, Jews wrote it. So yeah. uh, maybe Jews didn't actually write it. But whatever. All right. I was about to make like yet another cheap comment about the uh, lost and the burning bush, but um, thanks for listening. That's all that we have time for. More insightful commentary talk, next we're time. We're going to talk more about the Old Testament and uh, lost. Um, hey man, yeah, a lot of a lot of screwing in the Old Testament. You ever yeah. read that thing? Not really. Man, oh man, a lot uh, of beginning. A lot of, a lot of well, <laughs> boy, that's the. That's just like the uh, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, somebody somebody was uh, a lot of people were begetting. Uh, yeah, but also what is it like? Yeah. Uh, oh God, uh, never mind, never mind. I was about to like riff on some Old Testament thing. Uh, Dark Phoenix Saga. Did you like it? I did like it very much. Yes. Okay, good. I'm, I'm very, very, very happy, happy that you that, that you dug it. it. Yeah. Uh, third most important event in comics book <laughs> comic books history. Uh, next week we'll talk about the fourth and fifth most important events in comic books history. Uh, Watchmen by Alan Moore and The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Um, we're not going to do that. Okay. You look really, really confused. <laughs> I, was like, I did not know that I had so much homework. No, no, no. For no. next week. Next uh, week we'll talk about the next issue. Mostly I just that. wanted to say, like, a, a, you know, top three comic, comic books uh, moments. Yes, we are aware of Watchmen and yes. uh, Dark Knight Returns. We are. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're aware of nothing that happened in the 90s or later, though. Yep. Because nothing important happened. Nothing though. important happened in comics. All right. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa.